0: Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of To The Point podcast. Hope you guys all had a great Wednesday. Uh, first day of our new red phase here in New Brunswick. Um, I know uh, for, for me personally, it took a minute to uh, to get used to, but uh, after a couple of days of just kind of you know getting used to it, obviously being a little pissed off on my end that they closed the gyms, I've accepted it. And uh, I'm in a much better uh, mind's mindset now. And, you know, the one blessing that that I can really touch on just talking to my mother about it. She was like my, my go-to therapist today. was just, you know, we have sports. um, And for me, that's therapy. Uh, That's, that's what really makes me, me. And, you know, to have that on right now is, um, is a blessing. Obviously, uh, the uh, Carolina, Florida games are canceled for this weekend. They're supposed to play Thursday and Saturday. So they're canceled, but um, we still got a, we got to be thankful for what we have right now. I know I am, and hopefully uh, we'll see, we'll see some, some hockey. And, and a lot of the teams can stay COVID free, obviously Carolina, having some, some positive tests with the likes of Jordan Stahl, uh, uh, Jacob Slavin, um, Tivu Taravainen, but hopefully they can, you know, they can get things going on their end and uh, we'll all be, uh, the NHL will keep progressing here. Um, but tonight uh, on the podcast, I'm going to bounce around. Uh I'm, I'm going to talk about a lot of teams. Like I said, when I started this, I don't want this to be your average podcast where you hear about one team, you don't hear about the other teams in the league. Um, I've never been a fan of that as a, as a consumer of content. And I think to t- we want to touch on as many teams as we can here. And, uh, you know, I went through each division. I'd like to talk about a lot of the teams, obviously every episode, I'm not going to be able to talk about everybody or, you know, uh, I want to keep the the length to a minimum here, but tonight we're we're going to talk about a bunch of different teams. And I'm gonna start with with original six team in the Chicago Blackhawks. They start the season 0-4. Uh there's they had a tough schedule. I mean, their first two games against the Tampa Bay Lightning, obviously the defending Stanley Cup champions who even without Nikita Kucherov look like the best team in the NHL right now. And I, I don't think that's a debate. Um, but Chicago as a whole, you know, they played Florida twice since then. They've lost both of them one in overtime last night. But Chicago is in tough here. I think they have the worst goaltending tandem in the NHL, Malcolm Subban, Colin Delia. Um, Malcolm Subban, I think, has been a a KHL goalie for for a while now. I don't see see what he brings to the table. Uh, He's been given chances. Boston originally, then he went to Vegas. Now he's in Chicago, really playing out a year where uh, Chicago's only expectations are to lose. And uh, I'm sure they're hoping that they get the first overall pick in the 2021 NHL draft. But it's hard times right now for, for the Blackhawks. Um, they still have Patrick Kane, uh, Jonathan Taves is out sick. Like I mentioned, Kirby doc. Um, they still have Duncan Keith back there, but if I'm Stan Bowman, I think if I'm Patrick Kane, I want out of Chicago. I played my whole career there and I can appreciate that. Um, but I want to win, you know, he's won three Stanley cups. He's a, a future hall of famer. He's one of the best players to ever, ever lace up the skates. Um, you know, I, we talk about athletes and their prime winning, you know, Sidney Crosby's got three Stanley cups, Jonathan Tays, Patrick Kane have just as many as, as Sidney Crosby. And, you know, they, they're the, they're the elite of the NHL still Patrick Kane's still playing at a heart trophy level. If you ask me, he's still, he's got players around him that aren't, uh, aren't as good as he's used to him and Brandon Saad played together well for a lot of years. Him and Patty Sharp had, a, had a good connection. Um, but he doesn't really have that right now he has a uh, Dominic Kubalik who's really found his form in Chicago he was a rookie last year 25 year old rookie coming over from the Continental Hockey League but it's it's tough in Chicago and I think for the fans of the Blackhawks if I'm trying to you know read their brain a little bit you have to be willing to accept a rebuild and this is the reason you've won three Stanley Cups I think when Pittsburgh eventually falls I don't think that's going to be this year, but it'll happen you know to the Pittsburgh fans out there you're not going to be good forever um your roster's getting older now Sidney Crosby still playing at a high level but he's not going to for two three years if you ask me and you've won in the time that you've had these elite rosters you can accept a rebuild now because you've won it's a lot tougher for the situations like say a Toronto a Montreal a New York Rangers when they released their statement they have not won anything You know, their fans say we have to sit through a rebuild just because you got to a Stanley Cup final in the Rangers case. And then in a bunch of other situations, Montreal and Toronto, you didn't even get close and we have to sit through this. That's a tougher sell. I think in Chicago, you give management trust because they've done it before. Stan Bowman has won three Stanley Cups as your general manager. He's still there. Coach Q is not there anymore. He's obviously in Florida, but It's the same nucleus that won you Stanley cups. And I think you got to ride with that. And I I like, I like some of their pieces. I mentioned Kubelik. I think he can be a very good player. Like Adam Boquist on the back end, Kirby doc, when he gets back healthy, he's a a third overall pick. You got to see what you have there. Alex Nylander has taken strides, but Chicago, Patrick Kane should want out. I think Chicago should, should want to move him as well. And for Chicago, I think if they want to trade say a taves they may have to eat some salary i still think taves is a very good player he hasn't played this year it doesn't look like he's going to play anytime soon he has a condition that we're still really unaware of what it is um he's one of my all-time favorite players and i hope he can come back because i know just how much he loves the game but if you're trading patrick kane he's making 10 and a half million guess what that's not a bad contract because patrick kane's a hell of a lot better a player than mitch marner and he makes more than patrick kane so you're not even in today's economy, I think you can move that contract without eating salary. Patrick Kane's still playing at a high level. He's a dynamic player. Teams would be crawling to get Patrick Kane. And you could get a haul for him. Um, you know, I read rumors maybe to Buffalo. I don't see that. I don't think they have the pieces to do it. I think you'd have to trade honestly to get Patrick Kane, I I almost think you'd have to include Eichel in the deal. It might have to be a straight up trade. 8 million for for Eichel 10 and a half for, for Kane, they're both locked up long-term obviously that would help Chicago and their cap situation a little bit, but you know, maybe Buffalo, Olofsson, I think you'd have to include Olofsson, probably Dylan Cousins, maybe even Darlene, if I'm really thinking about it, they can get a package for him. That's all I'm saying. I don't know if Buffalo is the team that's obviously where he grew up. Um, but Chicago is not going to be good this year. I could the way they started again, I've said I've given I'm going to give each team the five game rule. They played four. So far, they're, they're much worse than Detroit. Detroit's won two games already, um, and they they play hard. I'll give them that. And Chicago just doesn't have it. And they're they're in a crossroads here where they're going to have a lot of salary, a lot of older players with Taves, Seabrook, Kane, Keith on their roster. And if I'm Stan Bowman. I asked them about their no trades. I see what I can do because I want to try to move on here. And the only way teams can really have a rebuild is if you get rid of the remains of the team that was there before we see it with the Toronto blue Jays. They had to trade Russell Martin. They had to trade Josh Donaldson. They had to trade Jose Bautista. And now they're just starting to turn the corner. Now, contrary to what people said that last year was, you know, such a great year for them. And they were, they were an elite team, false narrative, Toronto, Toronto, Toronto media narrative, you need to, you need to build up to it. Chicago's not close. I think they're three to four. They could be a long ways away because, you know, it takes time to win in any sport. It's not, okay, just for reference, Kansas City Chiefs won last year's Super Bowl. The year before, they lost in the AFC Championship game in overtime. So they had to take a lick, an elite, elite team with talent, just low to a talent. They had to lose before they won. You don't see a lot of teams just, they're assembled and they win. We saw St. Louis do that. They changed their roster practically mid season. They were in last place. They made a lot of moves. They brought up Jordan Bennington. They got Ryan O'Reilly. They won games, but we don't see that a lot where a team that the, the nucleus of a team can win one year when they're just assembled. And for Chicago, move out the old, bring in the new, build the same philosophy that you had of winning, but with just different pieces aligned with it. And for Patrick Kane, you're still an elite player. You can still contribute to a team at winning a championship. Jump on board a moving ship right now and try to be a part of it. Um, But if I'm Chicago, I'm going to make this clear. If I'm Stan Bowman, I'm not eating a, not eating a dime of salary in that trade, not a dime. Because Patrick Kane is still elite. He's still a top 10 player, if you ask me. Um, you watch him night he's still as dynamic as he was. And, you know, there's still some of the older guard who they seem to be pushing out in these top 10 rankings. Patrick Kane, Altovesque and Cindy Crosby, they're still there. They're, they're in the top 10, all three of those guys. They're ahead of the Marners. They're the head of, um, Shifley. They're ahead of, of these line A's, these younger players that they, that seem to be moving up these boards they're still above them because they're still playing at a high, high level, even in their advanced age, but just Chicago, it's it's going to be tough for you guys. You're going to have to pivot. You're going to have to adapt here. And for Patrick Kane, I just hope he can find a, a new destination that he's happy with. And he has a chance to win because it's not going to be a fun. It's a short season, but it's still not going to be fun. 56 games losing every night and having to go through that slog in, in Chicago right now. Um, yeah, so, so tough, tough, tough for Chicago, but I think that's what they got to do. Um, another original sixteen I wanted to touch on is the Boston Bruins. Um, they started out with a win against New Jersey, just hanging on. Then they lost in New Jersey. And then I watched their game Monday against the Islanders where they lost one, nothing. Um, so they're one and two, start the year. I'm concerned. Um, I don't. They can't score goals. I mean, they they won two one, lost two one, lost one nothing. They can't score right now. And one of their goals was a short handed goal by Bergeron after a fantastic effort from from Marchand on Saturday. It they're not they're not getting to those areas. They don't have, and a, a huge part of that is not having David Pasternak. I mentioned top ten players. He's on that list. David Pasternak. The word superstar is thrown thrown around too often um, if you if i'm talking superstars i think uh, mcdavid's a superstar i think dry Saddle's a superstar i think austin matthews is a superstar the least don't have another superstar so that, that, that'll end that conversation right now um winnipeg does not have a superstar maybe hellebuck if you want to include him maybe i might include him montreal price is a superstar that's it um But there's small amount. Not every team has one. And I think, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois in Columbus is not a superstar. He's a a star player, but he's not a superstar. Superstars, every first overall pick is not going to be a superstar. It's at the draft, it looks like they're going to be. Because, you know, Jack Hughes, I'm going to talk about New Jersey in this podcast. They're, They're great, they're stars, but they're not superstars. I think Kale McCarr is already a superstar. Nathan McKinnon is a superstar. So some, some teams have more than one Edmonton does. David Pasenak's a superstar to me. He, he's not, he was labeled at first in his career as a goal scorer, just a goal scorer, which is complete bullshit because he's a 90 point player. In the year he got 43 goals, which is two years ago. He had more assists than he had goals. So he's not a one dimensional player. This guy if he's healthy and he plays 82, he can get 100 points in his career. I think he can win a rocket and he could potentially win a hard trophy. That's how much I think of him. He's a dynamic, dynamic play scout. I think he's got the second best shot in the NHL um, behind uh, Weber right now. I think when it comes to slap shots, I think Weber's first. And you, you might say Matthews Rister is more dangerous than Pasternak's. Okay, I'm fine with that argument. I'm taking Pasternak. Put him on that half wall, Team him up. It's going in majority of the time if it hits the net goalie doesn't want to do, do anything with that. So they miss him. Their power play has been God awful, just stagnant. You know, really my big point here is, you know, Nick Ritchie has been their most dangerous forward through, through three games. He scored uh, he got four shots against the Islanders in a losing effort, but he was the one creating opportunities and um, that's nothing. It's not a slouch against Nick Ritchie, but he's a checking forward. He can't be your most dynamic offensive player or you're not going to win most nights. And for him, for Boston, they need to find that secondary scoring or it's going to be a long year. Sean Corral is going to have to jump up. I think, you know, they moved on from Charles so they can get a look at these young defensemen. Well, Zaboral, well, uh, mainly him, you know, I think you got to show something, join the rush, do something because right now you're just a big guy who's kind of out there. You're in the way. Um, this brings us back to having a number one defenseman. I don't think Charlie McAvoy, Charlie McAvoy is the number one defenseman. I don't think he ever has been. He was his first year that you're uh, the first time Toronto played Boston in the playoffs. He was the most, I think he was the best player on the ice. Most games, he shut down Austin Matthews and he made Austin Matthews look like a little pop, but right to be a number one defenseman. You don't have to score any points. Contrary to what the media says, you don't but you at least have to be competent on both ends of the ice. You need to be noticeable every game. Victor Hedman is going to get a lot of points, but he's not known for his scoring. He's known for the way he can move the puck of the zone quickly, how he closes on people when he hits them, how his gap control, he can get fire the puck up, tape the tape pass. McAvoy is a guy who gets beat a lot, who tries to throw big checks and he gets himself out of position. And honestly, Boston's best defense right now is Brandon Carlo. I like Brandon Carlo a lot, but McAvoy is labeled as their top D-man. And that concerns me, you know, with Grizzlick, McAvoy, Carlo, I mean, uh, Jeremy Lausanne, uh, Zaboral, uh, Kevin Miller's back. I like him, but... They need pass the back David Kreitsch is going to have to provide something. Jake DeBrusk, this is a big year for him. He got a two-year contract. But you, get, you have to score, Jake. You can't just be a shit disturber. Nazem Kadri is a shit disturber, and he does it effectively. So is, so is your teammate, Marchand. But guess what they do? They score goals. You need to do something out there. And for Boston right now, it's three games in. I'm not panicking, but I... Just they're not getting to those areas where you to score goals. This is not a team that's full of skilled players. Patrice Bergeron is not going to score a lot of bar down goals. Marchand isn't either. Nick Ritchie, I mentioned, Krejci not a a beautiful goal scorer. So they got a whole pass and that can come back soon. But they need to get to those dirty areas, get the pucks back to the point, get some deflections, muddy it up out there. That's the way you're going to win. And they play Philly tomorrow. So that's going to be a good test for them early in the year just to see what they're made of. Obviously, Philly's 3-1. They got uh, blown out Monday night against Buffalo. But last night, they responded with Brian Elliott, backup goaltender, getting a shutout. So Boston's got some – got to prove some stuff here. They let Chara go. They really – they let Torrey Krug walk. They didn't really upgrade their team when it comes to forwards. Their defense is really young and unproven. And like I said to begin the season in, in the my preview podcast with Sheamus – it's a make or break year for them. If they don't win a cup in this year, I think it might be this year. They're not gonna win one. They won one in 2011. They've gone to two finals in 2013 and 2019. But, you know, with this core, with the last core, Tim Thomas was the starting goalie, not Tuka Ras. Tuka Ras wins two Stanley Cup finals. He's lost them both. So, pressure's on Boston here to win. And I just haven't liked their start. I think they've, they've really come out of the gate slow. And um another team that I think has really struggled to start the year is the Columbus Blue Jackets. And I don't know if it's the Pierre-Luc Dubois situation, if it's it just looks awkward there. Um they they have some good players, obviously Dubois, Bjorkstrand, Mikhail Gregorenko, who if you guys don't remember Gregoranko, I always talk about this with Sawyer, but he played against him when he played for the Ron Park and you know always told me they thought he was 25 as a 19 year old in the uh, in the queue um you know he looked he looked old then he had a full beard when all these guys had their acne and you know their balls were just dropping but he it's 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 just a weird situation there i think um they have a they might have the best defensive core in hockey with Seth Jones, Horanski Gavrikov, Savard, um, even Delzato. I really like their defense. I think their goaltending's been a little shaky to start the year. So that's something that they can obviously go along with Elvis Merzlikins and with um, Jonas Corposalo. But I don't know, they're missing something. They've always missed a high end score. Columbus has always had a hard time scoring goals because they don't have that guy that's gonna score you a big goal. They don't have the Austin Matthews. They don't have the Connor McDavid. Um, the armory auger just to throw my favorite player in the mix but they're a team that i suspect will still make the playoffs i don't think they'll trade dubois in season i don't think it makes a lot of sense for them i think they have playoff aspirations they want to see what they can do this year but they just have had a tough start for me they need they need something need a spark and um, i'm waiting to see it from them you know they've they split games against detroit it's never good when you're Splitting games against Detroit, you need to win those games in your division. They're in a weak division, so that helps them. They'll get to play Chicago, you know, Detroit, Florida, who isn't a great team either. So, troubling start for for Columbus. Um, another team I is Buffalo. You know, they're these division hasn't disappointed me as the as the toughest division in hockey. Um, I do Again, uh, if if that changes, I'll admit it. Then I'll say the Canadian division is the toughest one in hockey. I, I don't think that's the that's the case. Um, if you look at East Division with the likes of Boston, with the likes of the New York Islanders, the New York Rangers, for that matter, the Devils have actually played well to start the year. You got you got the real good teams in Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Washington. I mean, it's it's a loaded division, and um, it. Buffalo had a tough, they've had a tough go, but you're playing tough teams every night. You're not getting, you know, on the schedule. The one thing this year will do when you're playing in these divisions is you don't get that night off. And what I mean by that is if you're a good team and you're kind of, maybe you lost two, three in a row and It's it's 82 game season. You're just kind of in the mix of it. You're in the, you're through a lull. Well, you get Detroit on a Tuesday night. Well, you know, it's going to be a point night. You know, you're going to win three, nothing, whether you play great or play mediocre. Last year you played Detroit, you're kicking their ass. I don't think you, you don't have that this year and for Buffalo it's tough for them because they have some elite talent um, I you know I've really liked the way Taylor Hall's meshed with Jack Eichel um, they both uh, heading into last night they were both tied for first in the NHL and scoring with six six points after three games um, you know Victor Olsson has returned from injury he's looked like the di- dynamic forward that he was last year prior to his injury he's played great um, but but I think they have promise. So it'll be interesting to see if Taylor Hall really wants to return there. I think him and Eichel may have a good year, but if it's another disappointing year for Buffalo, which I, I predict it will be, I don't know if they can convince both, if Taylor Hall to come back and if Taylor Hall walks, will Jack Eichel walk? I think there's a good chance. You know, I think he's had his foot halfway out the door for some time now. And if star players aren't returning even with him there, it's gotta tell him something uh that it's just not going to work um i thought monday night monday night against philly i've watched a lot of games so far i think it might have been the best effort by any team this year and i mean that wholeheartedly they beat them 6-1 they they kicked their ass I mean, let's just be honest sam reinhardt scoring goals you got jack Igel taylor hall being really dynamic out there all putting one in the back of the net Everybody, this was on Carter Hart, one of the best young goaltenders in NHL in Philly with a with a very good decor. But they they got a, a tough division. And I, I just worry about the future of Buffalo because you got Ralph Krueger, it's his second year behind the bench. I mentioned, you know, just the key there is Jack Eichel. If you can keep him, you got a chance. And maybe you can lure a trade with Chicago, and maybe Patrick Kane will have interest in playing with those guys. But They're like a, they have, they're the opposite of Columbus in that they have really skill. They have a lot of high-end skill, but I don't know if they have the the bottom of the roster to really contribute to it. Um, In net, they have Carter Hutton and Linus Allmark. I'm not sold on either of them. Hutton, I know, is a backup goaltender. That's what he is. Allmark, they're trying to say he's a starter. He hasn't shown it yet. So... We'll see, but I think Buffalo is in a weird spot. It's a big year for them where, you know, their their team could be flipped if it doesn't go well and they're in a really tough division. So they're going to have to play some good hockey for them to get some good fortune here. But in early prediction, if they miss the playoffs again, and I think Jack Eichel will be in a different uniform come September next year. Um, I don't know where, but I think Taylor Hall will move on and Jack Eichel will ask for a trade and he'll be moved out of Buffalo. So just something to watch. They're fun. I'll give them this. They're fun to watch. I watched a lot of that game Monday night um, against with them and, and Philadelphia. And, you know, they, they play great. So we'll see if they can play a consistent level of hockey um, in in the coming weeks. Um, Another guy to talk about here is New Jersey, New Jersey Devils in this East division mentioned they have beaten Boston earlier in the year. They beat the Rangers last night in a big victory. But um, Jack Hughes, the 2019 first overall pick, he's had a great start to the to the year. I got to give him that. A four-point night last night against the Rangers. You know, he's kind of being a hot dog out there, really celebrating a lot. Um, he was showing some of that American flair that he has. Um, but when he was taken out of Michigan, you know, he clearly has – high end skill and I still think he's a little small. He still looks I think he can be run over in this league. He needed a good night last night, but I don't think it really sat well with a lot of the Rangers the way they played, what way he handled himself. They play again tomorrow. But I gotta give credit where credit's due. Uh New Jersey plays hard. Mackenzie Blackwood's been solid in net for them. Hughes has had had a great start. I think PK Subans had a great start. Um he he's playing 26 and a half minutes a game right now he's through it's through three games. Like I said, the five game is where I start to really judge teams. I'm just, I think Jack showed himself well to start this year points in every game so far. That's all you can ask for him. I think he's been more dynamic than he was last year and for New Jersey, they need that. They need him to be more than a a number two or number three center. They have Heisher, who's already in that role. They drafted first overall they need Hughes to keep getting better and be more than that for them to really take that next step as a possible elite to great team in this league. He needs to, he needs to develop into a, a star. I think, I don't think he has to be a superstar because you can win this league without superstars, but he needs to be a star and a uh, great start to the year for him. Three games. Like I said, five games is really where I set my barrier and I start to judge teams on, on this year. Cause it's only 56. See. So you, if you look at the five game increments, then you can judge a team and if they've approved or how they've looked. And then game by game basis is really tough to say, well, you know, last Friday night, Toronto sucked against Ottawa, but they were great. Uh, They were great on Saturday. Okay. Well, what are they? We don't know. You need, you need a bigger body of work. That's the only point I'm I'm making here. And that comes to players and you know, that comes to, to teams. So, I'll keep that all in check here to start, to start the year. Um, Another go to the, uh, I'll go to the North division, Ottawa. Ottawa deserves a ton of credit. They're a really young team. They don't have, again, they don't have a superstar. I think Thomas Shabbat's a very good player in the back end. I don't think he's a superstar. I think he's a star, but they play really hard. I'll give them that. You got guys like Josh Norris making their debuts this year. Uh, Tim Stutzla. You got Drake Batherson, who's kind of on his second stint. Uh, Nick Paul trying to make it in the NHL finally. You have you know, Derek Stepan who's been there, done that. You know Messier up top, just a veteran for this team. Um, you got Matt Murray, who's trying to find himself as a number one goaltender. Eric Branson who's been through the, the ringer in this league when it comes to teams not wanting him because he can't play the the modern game when it comes to fast moving the puck. But this team, DJ Smith's got this team playing hard. Uh, Tim Stutzla scored his first NHL goal Saturday night. Josh Norris scored his first NHL goal last night. They, they have a nucleus of a team that's going to be very good in the years to come. If if things work out right, they got Jake Sanderson who they drafted. Obviously took Stutzla third overall, and they still have draft capital moving forward here. So, you know, they, they have a lot to be excited about in Ottawa. And to start the year, you know, they played hard. Um, last Friday, they played Toronto and they outclassed and they outworked Toronto. They beat them uh, 5-3, but it was it was more than 5-3. That game wasn't close. Uh, you know, Frederick Anderson, it didn't help that Frederick Anderson was like a pancake in the net. But, uh, you know, they do what they had to do. They won more battles than Toronto did. Uh, and they, they came out with the two points. Saturday night, they didn't play great. Uh, Toronto was clearly the better team. But guess what? Matt Murray showed himself well he, he stayed in the game he played hard made some key saves for them and it was 3-2 uh, you know Toronto I think Toronto can take a lot of positives from that game saying we dominated it but at the same time Ottawa can't do, and Matt Murray can say well I was great tonight and I kept his team in it a team that Toronto should beat us handily and guess what we split against them and we came close to beating them twice so I like to watch Ottawa. They played Winnipeg last night, who I who I predicted to win the North Division. and from, They should have won last night, Ottawa. They played better than Winnipeg, especially through two periods. I thought through two periods, they really dominated the game. Uh, and they were all over them. I thought, hell, I mean, Laurent Brassois, his first start of the year, I thought he played great. Uh, he, obviously, Hellebuck started Monday night in Toronto, so they're on a back-to-back. They he played fantastic. He kept them in the game. And Morrissey tied it up with about a minute and 45 left. Winnipeg ultimately comes back, wins the game in overtime. So it's a, it's a heartbreaker for Ottawa. But, you know, three points in their first three games is not a bad, not a bad way to start the season for this team. You know, they're, they're in a tough division. And they're clearly the the, the least talented of, of the seven teams. And, you know, they play hard. So they got to credit themselves on that, that they – they go out there and give a solid effort every night, and they're going to be a tough out for for this division. They could really play spoiler down the stretch here. They play Winnipeg twice, two more times this week. Winnipeg's coming to Ottawa for three games, so staying there for three different three three games in four days. So, um, just I, I like to give a little praise to Ottawa, praise to New Jersey. These teams that I didn't have a lot of high hopes for early in the year but to start the year, they've They've uh, they played well, and I think they, they're they showing themselves that they're not going to be a pushover, at least. Detroit, for that matter, too. I think Chicago has, hasn't has joined that group. Um, I think we're seeing these teams really struggle, and I, I, I think that'll continue as the season goes on. But good on Chicago. Um, Winnipeg, obviously losing to Toronto on Monday, coming back and winning last night. I, I still really like their team. They, they haven't had Line a to DeMello, or Pullman in any of those games. A um, played great against Calgary in the opener. Hopefully, he can come back and, and be healthy for them. But I, I think Winnipeg is right up there with with um, with the best teams with the best teams in the NHL um, when it comes down to it. When they have a healthy roster, I like Tampa above them. Gun in my head, I like Washington above them. Um, I, like, uh, Colorado, I like Colorado slightly, even with their net mining above them but uh, Vegas, but they're in the top five for me, top five or six teams in the NHL right now. I take, I take Winnipeg. I I like, I like the way the roster is built and I just like their, their team, their finesse and their, their being and how they play the game a lot more than, you know, some of these other quote unquote top teams uh, in the NHL. Um, Big game this evening. Uh, Toronto is going to play Edmonton tonight uh, in Toronto. First of two meetings play tonight and Friday. Edmonton, if you look at Twitter, their fans are panicking right now. They're in a world of hurt. Uh, Mike Smith, who was never going to be a savior, that wasn't really the real panic. You know, he, he goes on long-term injured reserves. So they have in, and now they have... Some East Coast Hockey League goalies are backup goaltender right now because they claim Tyler Grossnick off waivers from L.A. this week. And you know that's going to be something to watch all year. These teams are so tight to the salary cap. On their days off, they're putting players on the taxi squad because it gives them five, like five grand if they're off the roster. And just salary finesse, more money that they can work. It, it's a lot of math. Um, uh, that was never my strongest subject. But basically, they're circumventing the cap. They're using it taking players off, putting them on the taxi squad. So it costs them less money and it gives them some relief. And it also gives them more flexibility. The players they're putting on the taxi squad are not uh, players that can go on waivers that can be p- claimed by other teams. They're guys on two way contracts, things like that nature. So there's are no risk of losing them. Uh, for instance, Montreal has been doing that uh, since the start of the year with Alexander Romanoff, who's on his entry level, uh, entry level contract. So, but Edmonton, they have a right to be worried. Koskinen, I don't think he's a number one goaltender. I said that at the beginning of the year. Uh, I, I don't, I've don't. i never seen him as a number one goaltender. Uh, Peter Shirelli, that was his last move. The day before they fired Peter Shirelli, he signed Koskinen to a four-year extension. And for management, I don't know how the owner signs off on that when you know you're firing your GM the next day. How do you let him get that contract done? It was literally the next day they fired Peter Shirelli. I guess you had faith in Koskinen but I don't know how you do that at that point where you say yeah let's give this guy who's really unproven who was unstable at the time a four-year contract with good money sure let's do it It makes no sense and Ed Edmonton's I mean McDavid and Drysaddle got to be fuming right now those two are two of the top five best players in NHL but that team does not know how to play a lick of defense Their defense don't know how to play defense and their forwards don't give a shit about coming back and back checking and just playing hard. You can play hard in the O-zone because that's easy. You're supposed to score goals. Okay, great. Are you going to give a shit on the back check? Because a lot of this team doesn't. They're playing Toronto tonight and it's interesting. I think we could see like a 7-6 game tonight because both these teams play defensively. They play terrible defensively. Terrible. Toronto's still trying to work that out. I think they've been better, but again, it's four games. Grain of salt. Fifth game tonight. There's my little metric. But it's Edmonton is they're built so similar, these teams where they have high-end skill, they're playing, paying players at the top of their roster, and their depth sucks. And if, if McDavid and Dry aren't scoring a goal, they they're not winning. And you know, the other night, Dave Tippett, healthy scratches, Ethan Bear, and Caleb Jones, two of their younger defensemen. And they don't have anybody good to replace them with. They're strapped with a salary cap and it it's tough right now in Edmonton. And I don't think the fans should panic, panic. But if you have a slight little feel of uneasiness, I get it. Because this team hasn't shown the ability to to backtrack and play good defensive hockey. And it doesn't look like they're willing to accept doing it. So having a little bit of apprehension is fair to me. Um you know, panic in Toronto after losing to Ottawa on a Friday night. I think that's idiocy. That's Toronto fans just overreacting. In Edmonton, it makes sense right now because your team your team doesn't have a lot of options when it comes to the salary cap, when it comes to the team improving this year. You got what you got. And you better start winning soon. McDavid and Dreissel got to commit to playing, I'm not saying 200 feet, but could you play 120, 140? Because that would help a ton. Because your goalie is not great at making a big save when you need it. Your defense can't get the puck out of the zone. And you're going to be hemmed in. And tonight you're playing against a Toronto team. Or if you do that, the puck's going to go in the net. Because your goalie sucks. Matthews can rip the puck from anywhere. And Toronto's great at scoring goals. They're terrible defending too. But what they want to do is hem them in. That's what teams have been able to do to Edmonton so far this year. I mean, Montreal beats them twice in Edmonton. First time Saturday night beat some five one should have been five nothing blood and goal with a minute left priced it, but it wasn't even close three nothing after the first period it, it was a joke of a hockey game you got Alex Romanov just in his second game skating out there like he's like he's Bobby Orr and the work ethic of those two teams were not even close and it interesting to see what they bring tonight against Toronto. Because like I said, Toronto's a team that is great at scoring goals, taking advantage of bad defensive play, and um, just just doing what they need to do to score goals. They suck at it. They suck at it. They're good at scoring goals they can't defend. And they played them twice this week. I think Toronto wins tonight, personally. But it, it, both teams are bad at... The same thing so we could see a really ugly two games this week especially early in the year bad systems it, it could be ugly when it comes to defensive play so if you, if you like goal scoring high high scoring games this is the one for you tonight tune into this one because it's probably gonna be a shit show out there just pucks bouncing everywhere terrible defensive plays from the likes of you know darnell Norris and morgan riley and, and it'll be a free-for-all but that's that's what i see happening tonight uh edmonton they're they're in trouble right now. Um, I mentioned Montreal. You know they lost to Toronto in the opener. Uh, they uh, in a, in, a, in overtime. They go on to beat Edmonton twice. They're in Vancouver tonight, so that's their first meeting with Van- with Vancouver this year. But through they played three games, so I like to get my five game metric. But through three games, they're the best team in the uh, in the Canadian division. They played the most consistent. They should have beat Tron on the opener. They didn't. Uh, they took uh, some stupid penalties, so grain of salt. But they go and beat Edmonton twice pretty easily. Carey, Carey Price has been, uh, he struggled in the opener. Fantastic in their 5-0 win. Then we saw Jake Allen make his uh, Canadians debut Monday night. He was great. Um, but I think they they don't have any high-end, high, end, high-end high skill. Nick Suzuki's a great player. Shea Weber's still playing at a high level. Jeff Petrie's really emerged as a top two def- defenseman. Um, but they have a team that can score in all four lines and they work really hard. And they, they play a defensive game early in the year already. Um, you know, Gallagher, he's a guy that's not going to probably score the big goal, but he'll score goals. You got Josh Anderson. I mentioned Unicorn. Love him. You got Nick Suzuki, a blooming star. You have guys even in the bottom of the roster who, you know, Alexander Romanoff, who's on the third deep air right now, is playing fantastic. They, they just Montreal's got something to me, and I'm a, I don't think they're gonna finish first in the Canadian division. That's not what I'm saying, but I think they'll make the playoffs. And they're don't sleep on Montreal. That's all I'm saying. They're they're good. I. I I think they play the game really well and teams got to be careful. They got to be wary of the Montreal Canadiens because they're going to bring it night in and night out. And I think you're going to get their best punch pretty much every time. And that's that's just something to look out for if if your team's in the Canadian division, you know, there's polar opposite of Toronto where Toronto has talent, so much talent, probably more than any other team in the NHL, but they don't have any depth. Their third and fourth lines really provide you nothing that you're like, great. I'm so excited about this. These, these guys, I'm going to bank on this line scoring a goal for me. I'm you know, Kerfoot's going to score me a big goal tonight. I wouldn't feel good about that. However, I feel better about Evan scoring a goal for Montreal in their fourth line or Terry Luckin and tapping one in than Montreal. Even if you look at their d pair, Bogosian or Dermott, do you expect them to do anything for you? Score a big goal, maybe make a big play? I don't. But I could see Brett Kulak making a big play. So I think just Montreal through three games. I mentioned, this. I'm not saying they're going to finish first because I think Winnipeg, I predicted Winnipeg at the beginning of the year. But I think Montreal, to start the year today, January 20th, the season started a week ago today. I think they played the best in this division so far. And I've been impressed with just the way they played the game. Um, and I, I just like the, 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 what they're bringing to the table. Pivoting back to the East Division, like I said, I'm just going to bounce around here tonight. Uh, Pittsburgh and Washington have played twice over the last uh, three days. They played Sunday afternoon, a matinee. We saw Pittsburgh beat Washington in the gimmick. And then we saw Pittsburgh beat Washington 5-4 last night in overtime. Uh, Washington had leads in both games and coughed coughed them up. But this was big for Pittsburgh. Uh, They had started the year 0-2. They really looked terrible against Philadelphia. Neither game was good for them. Um, uh, They they looked outclassed and they just didn't look, they looked a little unmotivated. I didn't think Crosby looked great in either game. Uh, He was kind of just going through the motions. Uh, I thought he played fantastic last night. Crosby got the overtime winner. I thought he was all over the ice and he was back to the Sydney Crosby of old Gino Malkin. I think also played his best game last night. Even Chris Letang, who I'm not a huge fan of, uh, played great. Lot. Brought a physical tone last night. It was, it was an emotional game where uh, TJ Oshie laid out a big hit. And I don't know why it was such a big stir. They had to review the play. They had to review the hit. You really want to piss me off. I'm watching the game, loving the game intensity. We're seeing some bite and flip machine channels. Got my PIP screen on watching two games at once. And then one game stopped because they're reviewing a check. Call a penalty. You don't review the check. You see it in real time. Was it a penalty? Blow your whistle. Say, get the hell off the ice, get in the box, whatever it is, no penalty. Don't review it. If you're that incompetent, get the hell out. Get somebody else in. I don't care who it is. I don't want to see a review of a hit. Number one, it wasn't a penalty. Wasn't suspension worthy wasn't fine. It ended up being nothing and they reviewed the play. Talk about infuriating at least throw in the effing box If you're gonna take my time away, throw somebody in the box. Like it's just I hate it All this stupid uh, video replay Like Last night was the worst night for two so I'm pissed off going to red and then you start Having reviews about everything. And I'm just, just play the fucking game. Plain and simple. And Kijayoshi plays the game on the line. He hits people hard. You can still throw a check in the NHL. I know it's frowned upon. And now you can't cross check anybody because people were bitching like Austin Matthews after night one that he took a tough cross check from Ben Sherrod. That's hockey. Chris Pronger did that for 20 years. He's a hall of famer. He's a Stanley cup champion. That's what he that's what you he built himself on is being tough. Maybe just have a backbone for these players instead of diving on the ice and you take a big hit, which is what the Pittsburgh defenseman did on the play. But just as the NHL as a as a fan of your product, enough with the fucking reviews. Enough. I don't care and I think majority of people don't. If you're a fan, okay, oh, those offside, no goal. Okay, great. Well, it happens the next night your team's the same play and then they, they do it the other way and you're pissed off. I'm a guy who, who watches every game and I don't, it's the best way to watch because I don't care who wins. I just enjoy the product. My blood pressure remains here. It's going up now. Just It was just up because of the video replay. So there's still, still my pressure points. But, you know, Fans, you don't enjoy it either. If, if you really think about it, you don't enjoy the replay because you like it one night, and then it'll be a playoff game, and you're like, this is so stupid, and then you forget about it, and then the next year it's like, oh, great. But it slows down the game, makes the games longer, and it's just a waste of my time. So for me, NHL, enough with these fucking reviews. You baby the players enough already. You baby the goalies enough already with their goalie interference reviews. Refs, make a call, and let's live with it because I'm willing to live with it. I have been since video replay started. Enough, enough. But with these two teams, I mentioned Pittsburgh, Washington. Obviously, both games going to overtime and a shootout. I like the way Pittsburgh responded. I still love Washington. I wasn't unfazed at all. I think they're still a very good team. Obviously, Ovechkin only has one goal in his first four games, but he's been um, scoring points. Tom Wilson's got three goals. Uh, he's been finding him on the ice. They play great together with Backstrom. I think um, we see good play from Lars Eller to start the year. Um, Pittsburgh, I mentioned Chris Lieutenant. I think both these teams are going to be playoff teams. They're veteran teams that have been in the playoffs a ton. I think both will get back. And I I, I like I like what they bring to the table, um, these two teams in general. Just their hockey IQ, uh, their they're winning pedigree, both teams are Stanley Cup champions. So... Um, they still have that DNA of being a winning organization. And I think that'll carry them, you know, deep into the season. Uh, anything else I want to touch on? Just, I think the products are pretty good so far. Um, I, I think the games have been interesting. I, 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 last night I, I was just flipping through like I do most nights. I, I like having a lot of games at once so I can bounce around. I can watch different teams. um, i think vegas has been really impressive so far uh they're in such cap hell that they've had to dress 5d a few games which has been interesting they can't even carry an extra player on their roster because they're that close to the cap with alex petrangelo with that signing um so you yeah, know they're they're going to be interesting they're they're playing some good hockey right now uh arizona coyotes uh they, they've actually played decent hockey to start the year but they Oliver Ekman-Larsen, their captain, their best defenseman's out three to four weeks. So that's a tough break uh, for Arizona because I think, you know, they played well. Uh, Connor Garland has had a really impressive start to the year for me. I thought he'd have a, a breakout year and I think he's he's brought it so far. Uh, Phil Castle, you know, Mr. Hot Dog, has, has also played quite well. I mean, he just plays games. Um, And before, before we wrap up here tonight, I thought I'd talk about Florida, Florida Panthers. Uh, there was rumors before the year that they were going to healthy scratch Keith Yandel. Uh, and Keith Yandel, for you guys that don't know, he's played 865 straight NHL games without missing one. The The Ironman streak is what it's called. Most games played consecutively is, is, a, is held by Doug Jarvis. And Keith Yandel is about 100 games away from reaching it, a little over 100. Um, I think it's 120 or something now. I was looking at it last night, but he's... He's, he, if he stays healthy, which that's always tough in this league and any, in any sport, he can get there. Phil Kessel is about 30, 40 games behind him, so he's on the path too. But Flo- it was rumored that management was not high on Yandel. They tried to get uh, Yandel to accept a trade to Boston. He said no. He has a full no move in his contract, which Florida gave him, by the way. And just out of spite, just out of basically being pissed off, they were going to healthy scratch him. And this just shows how bad of an organization Florida is. You gave Keith Yandel the no movement clause. That's on the owners. And that's on the GM. It wasn't this regime. I get that. But you took the job, uh, Zito, Craig Zito, deal with it. You got Keith Yandel. And I think it's so, it might be the owners that did it because Co- Coach Quenville said this the Sunday before they started Tuesday, he put him on the power plant uh, uh, in their – in their practice, and he said, I'm not going to be responsible for this. This isn't my decision, and I'm not going to be the GOAT here that has to sit here and take the questions about Keith Yandel. He's a veteran. He's paid his dues in the league. He's he's played 865 games in a row, and he did get into the lineup. But I think it would hurt Florida even more. They're a team that makes no money that's struggling right now. I don't think players want to go to Florida. You're going to do that to your veteran after – you know, players get moved all the time and they have to accept it. Well, guess what, organizations? If you hand out no movement clauses, you have no reason to bitch about him not accepting it. Because guess what? Maybe he likes the son. He's got a child. He's got a wife. Maybe if they like their they like the they like it down there. Yes, he's from Boston, but just because you're from somewhere doesn't mean you want to play there. I think that's been plainly obvious over the years. You know, we saw John Tavares go back to Toronto. That was really the first time that a superstar is going back to Toronto in forever. Um, Eddie Olchuk, I read his book. He was pumped to start his career as, as a, a Sh- Tonian. He he said, he, he looks back and said, it really wasn't the best thing for me. I shouldn't have played in Illinois. I shouldn't have played for Chicago. It would have been better if I went to another organization. Maybe Keith Yandel doesn't want that smoke right now. He's in the twilight of his career. He's still a very prudent player on the power play. He's played two games this year. He's got two goals. So they play him and he's getting they're getting production out of him. But I just, organizations complain you handled a bad contract that's your problem. You give a guy a new move you don't have a reason to bitch. And I don't care if you weren't, if you weren't the GM when he was there. From all counts, Keith Handle's done nothing wrong here. And I don't blame him for not wanting to leave Florida. Why would you want to move right now in the middle of the pandemic? Why would you want to take another flight with your wife and kid if you really don't have to? And I'm just, I'm going to spitball. I think uh, winners in Florida are a little better than winners in Boston. I've been to both at this time of year and I prefer Florida. So... Beach, shitty traffic, and cold weather, and yeah, I'm gonna go with Florida. But yeah, just just uh, good for Keith Yandel. Obviously a former Moncton Wildcat, uh, sticking to his guns, staying in Florida, and if he if that's where he wants to end his career and he doesn't want to move, well, tough tough tomatoes. And I hope he hopefully we can get to Doug Jarvis's record. Him and Phil. I mean, they're both still playing and. Like I said, they play every night. So it's so good on them both. Um, yeah, that's really just a wrap up of, of uh, tonight. I just want to bounce around, talk about a lot of different teams in the league. Uh, maybe not the teams you hear about every day. Um, so tour night, I'll be back doing another one of these. I'll probably talk a little bit of basketball tomorrow night too. Tour night, I'll touch on the Toronto Blue Jays, landing George Springer. Uh, talk about the uh, Toronto Edmonton game tonight as, as well as the other uh, the Montreal game and some other games from around the league but uh hopefully you guys enjoyed this uh i like going into different teams talking about their dynamics and and really what what, what's been happening around the whole nhl uh i'll get mentioned some west teams moving forward talking about minnesota maybe tomorrow night and la uh, and on some teams that i I missed tonight so um, i'll be back tomorrow like i said um everybody have a great night stay safe and we'll talk then